Welcome to the outreach ministry of Bishop Victor Gill, prophet of the nation. Coming to you from the Caribbean paradise, the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Join us right now for an experience that can change your life. Get ready for your miracle. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, as so much the more as you see the day approaching. Today I want to share with you on the subject, why do we go to church? Part 2. The last time we looked at this message, we looked at the fact that every institution has a specific purpose. Every institution exists for a specific purpose. And so we looked at the fact that the parliament has a specific purpose and that, that is to manage the business of the state. The hospital has a specific purpose and that is to take care of the physical bodies of people. The school has a spe specific purpose and that is to educate minds. The courthouse has a specific purpose and that is to handle legal matters. The bank has a specific purpose to handle financial matters. The grocery has a specific purpose and that is to provide food and so forth, or vital supplies. The salon has a specific purpose. There is where you go to look good. All these institutions have a specific purpose. And even so, the church has a main and specific purpose, which is to prepare souls for eternity. The long and short of the purpose of the church is to divert souls from hell and to point them or navigate them to heaven. Let me give you a few scriptures here. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life and few there be that find it. Luke 13 and verse 24 says, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many I say unto you will seek to enter and will not be able. Matthew 7 and verse 13 says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who are going in by it. So when you go to church, you go for help to discern the narrow way. So that you can stay on it. Because the Bible clearly says many will be on the Broadway that leads to destruction. So church is to help you to stay on the narrow path. When you go to church, you go for strength. You go for encouragement. You go for reminders. 
you go for direction. When you go to church, you go for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness so that you will stay on the right path. And I, say, I shared with you that the purpose of the church is not to provide the know-how to succeed in this life. The purpose of the church is not to provide skills to improve your economy. The purpose of the church is not to help you to, to achieve a better standard of living in this world. Make no mistake about it. Those are very, very important things. Those are good things. But they are not the purpose of the church. The goodness of something does not define one's assignment. And as good as some things are, they don't define the assignment of the church. And it is very important for us to know that because Satan does not catch flies with lemon. So that many times it is the good things that hoodwink us and blind us from the best thing, from the excellent thing, from the thing we are really called to do. And so I looked at the fact that the church alone was instituted by God to prepare souls for eternity. When the church leaves what it alone can do to do what many other institutions can do, then who will do what the church alone can do? And so we need to understand the specificity of the purpose of the church. The church was raised up by God so that people will not go to hell but make heaven their home. That's the purpose of the church. Based on this foundation of preparing souls for eternity, there are some important things that are derivatives from that central and main purpose that I would like to share with you, and this is part two. Number one, we go to church to worship God. We go to church to worship God corporately in songs, in praises, in thanksgiving. In adoration. Psalms chapter 95 and verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. And, that, and the word psalms means songs. See that? Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Notice it says, what? Let us. Let us. So this is a collective thing. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms, with songs. 
We go to church to also worship God or we worship God also in the giving of tithes and offering. That's why we go to church. The Bible says, bring all the tithes and offering into my house, into the storehouse. Don't put it all in the bank. You give to God. And giving is a worship. When you come before God with your gifts, it's a worship to God. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 29 says, Give to the Lord a glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So, it is mandated in the scripture that you give an offering. That you give up your financial resources. You, you have not worshipped the Lord if you come with empty hands. The word of God says, none must appear before me empty-handed. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 says, Upon the first day of the week, let, let every one of you lay up by him in store as God had prospered him. Let everyone on the first day of the week, notice it's not the first day of the year. It is not the first day of the month, but the first day of the week. Which means at least you should be in church at least once a week. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay up in store as God had prospered him. So we go to church to worship God in our giving. We also go to church to worship God in the breaking of bread, in communion, the communion service. And this was something I was practiced regularly in the early church. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 it says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. Upon the first day of the weeks, apparently, what we do monthly, they did weekly. When they came together to break bread, so in the coming together, there was something they called the love feast. They broke bread and they ate, they drank, they fellowship together. And the Bible said when they did that, Paul preached until midnight. A vital part of worship also is being present for the receiving of the ministry of the word. Receiving the ministry of the word. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 it says, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So all these things are a part of worship. Number two, we go to church to fellowship with the brethren. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly 
in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Notice they continued in fellowship. Our text, Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That word, not forsaking, not forsaking, it is saying, don't do something that you are doing. Stop doing what you are doing. Stop forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. The word forsaking means to leave behind, to desert, to abandon, and to do so as a fixed position and a way of life, as a habituation. Something that has become a habit. It has become part of your life to forsake to leave behind, to desert, to abandon, to minimize the assembling of yourself with the brethren. I want you to know there are reasons why the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. You see, you need to realize that there are some things that you cannot get if you are absent from fellowship. There is a certain grace and atmosphere you cannot access if you are absent from the fellowship of the believers, of the body. Jesus said in Matthew 18 and verse 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So notice he said where two or three are gathered. My presence is there. So whenever the church comes together, there's a certain atmosphere because of the presence of Jesus. You know, there must be a gathering in order for the government to make firm decisions lasting decisions, concrete decisions. The government just can't stay home and say, you know, I feel like making this law. Or I feel like doing this. There must be a quorum. Only when they meet together will certain power be enacted and the power of the state kicks in. And so it's very important for us to understand that there are certain power that is released only when the church comes together. And so, being in that place is very important. There is a level of growth and nurturing that can only happen through fellowship. There are some things you will never grow into in isolation. If you are recluse, if you are isolated, if you are just by yourself, there are some things you will never grow, you'll never develop, you'll never mature into. Spiritually and naturally, 
Even his post-resurrection appearance, most of the time Jesus appeared to the disciples. He appeared to them when they were gathered together. And when the Holy Ghost came, he did not come to, the, to them in isolation. One here and the other there and the other across. So no, they were all in one accord in one place. Then the Holy Ghost was poured out. So those who were not there, they missed it. Those who were not gathered together in the upper room according to the instruction of Jesus, they missed one of the most historical one of the most precious, one of the most vivifying, one of the greatest experience that the early church or any age or any people might have ever experienced. And that is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost when he came as a song from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind and filled there where they were sitting. And I'm saying it happened because they were in fellowship. I wonder how many things we miss because we are not in fellowship. But I want to go further. I want to tell you that fellowship is more than meeting together. Fellowship, the word fellowship means, is a Greek word koinonia. And it means participation, partnership. It means to socialize, it means to share. To share in the activities or privileges of an intimate group. It is about mutual relationship or giving and receiving, mutual, two-sided. The Bible says, Acts 2 and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And in fellowship, in koinonia, in mutual socialization, in participation, in the activities and privileges of the intimate group called the church. They shared and received from the sharing of others. That is fellowship reciprocity over and over the word of God speaks of things we need to do watch this unto one another say one another that means it's not one sided it is not one but one another which speaks of fellowship 2nd Corinthians 13 and verse 12 says, greet one another. 2 Thessalonians 4 and verse 18 says, comfort one another. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind one to another. Romans 15 and verse 7 says, receive one another as Christ received us. Romans 12 and verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate one to another. In honor, esteeming one another. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9 says, use hospitality one to another. You cannot do any of these things by yourself. It's with one another. One another. One another. You must be 
with one another. Ministering to one another. Edifying one another. Encouraging one another. Forbearing one another. Confessing your faults to one another. Praying for one another. And there are so many more. So if you are alone, you are missing out on a whole lot. Number three. Why do we go to church? We go to church to support kingdom building. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, make the kingdom of God your priority. Anybody understands that? Is that clear? That's the word of God. Not your business, not your issue here. They didn't say, you know, seek your little concern first. Build your little stuff first. Do your thing first and then whatever you can, see what you can give to the kingdom. You can bring the dregs to the kingdom. Or the scraps. Or the crumbs. No, it said seek first. The kingdom. Have a kingdom mentality. Seek first the kingdom of God. And then God will put you first. All these things he said will be added unto you. If you have that mentality. I will take care of you, your business. You take care of mine. I will take care of yours. You won't go to take care of yours. You won't go to handle your story. You won't go to handle your business. He said, seek first my kingdom. Love what I love. Hate what I hate. Help to build my work. What are you doing in the house? Who are you helping? What group are you connected with? What are you helping to make the church a better place? Seek first. The kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 2 it says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Notice Jesus said, when they asked him, teach us to pray. He said, the first thing you must do is say, Our Father. Then you must say, Holy is your name. Then thy kingdom come. Then thy will be done. After that, those four things on God, then you can pray, give us, forgive us, and all the other us that comes along. But put me first. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not. All the us's, we and self comes after. So we must put first the kingdom of God because that's the pattern in scripture.
We come to church to support kingdom building because we know that this is a rescue mission for the world. We know that the church is the pillar of the ground of truth. We know that, that the church is the only institution by which men can be saved. We know that the church is the only light in the community. It's the only light in the nation. The church is the light of the world. The church is the establishment that God has set up on earth through which there would be a gateway to heaven. And so, you and I as believers who have that education, have that information, and have that knowledge, we say, no, I must invest in the kingdom. Because when everything else is over, the kingdom will stand. The Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And the Bible says that we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Okay, why we go to church? We go to church to pray. Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 5, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands and vexed certain of the church and killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when they had apprehended him, they put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing for the church unto God but for him. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I like that. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Of the church unto God for him. Of the church unto God for him. And when the church prayed, the prison opened on its own. And Peter was set free and his life was spared. Because the, ch the church prayed. In Matthew 18 and verse 18 to 20 it says, Verily I say unto you, whatever you shall bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on the earth is loose in heaven. And again, and again I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them or for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where the two or three are together in my name, there I am in the midst. So Jesus is saying, what gives the power to bind and loose? Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. He said it's when you come together. When the church comes together, I say, there is a certain power that is given to the church. When the church comes together, there is a power to pray one for the other, to pray and intercede and see things happen. We need to come together for prayer and pray one for the other. We appreciate the time you spent with us today. If you need prayer right now, send us an email to info at victorgill.org or call now at 1-866-266-1830 and we will pray for you to get your miracle.
You can partner with Bishop Gill to bring healing to the nations by donating any amount at www.victorgill.org. Thank you. From our family to you, God bless you richly.